0: everyone welcome to the quantum heart cafe a show where i talk about uh books and topics and subject matter that uh, i'm interested in and uh, and that is related to current events going on in the wider world but they're the type of current events that aren't really being uh talked about by um you know people the the mainstream media or even the alt media Um, and their topics of like technology especially the rollout of web 3 and all these other new technologies that people aren't really uh, talking about but it's really important to have these discussions and as well as sharing my love of uh, psychology and spirituality and just other topics and, and perspectives and subject matter that I feel are important. And so it's taking all of that and then uh, com- putting it into the heart of a cafe. Because, you know, cafes are places where um, people go and have discussions and talk about things and discuss. Or it could be... Uh, like one of the reasons why I love going to coffee shops is I could take a book and read and and do my some writing and enjoy a chai latte and'm starting to get away from drinking coffee all the time but um yeah, so it's just kind of taking those sorts of things like the the spirit and feel of a coffee shop and then the kind of the spirit the spirit and feel of Uh, reading books and having discussions about books and then relating them to uh, kind of current events and real-life situations and putting that into a podcast. (laughs) So that's what the Conum Heart Cafe is about. And ultimately, I'm hoping that uh, listeners will come away with something uh, that will be of interest or something that's useful or just encouraging you to explore and read the books that I talk about for yourself and become interested in these uh, topics as well. So thank you so much for stopping by the cafe and if you enjoy what you're listening to please consider uh, subscribing and, uh, and sharing this with others. Uh, and then so uh, without further ado let's begin today's show. Hi everyone, welcome back to the Quantum Heart Cafe and I hope everyone's had a blessed week and, and weekend and that you're enjoying the uh, your day wherever you are or your evening depending on what, t- what time you're listening to this and uh, for today's show uh, I as I spoke about in my last uh, podcast or last show I was going to talk about or continue talking about Beyond the Box, uh, which is a book about B.F. Skinner and his uh, behavior technology, like the the whole behaviorist and uh, behavior science, behavior engineering. And uh, today I'm going to continue where I left off uh, with my last uh, podcast, like the last time I spoke about his book. Uh, this, in this podcast is going to continue uh, by talking about the token economics and the development of token economics which you know it came out of um a lot of the history of token economics is tied up with uh the history of psychology because uh, a lot of token economic programs were developed in um hospitals and uh, prison systems schools reform schools you know the so called Troubled teen industry or reform schools where a lot of abuse happened. These token economy programs were used to try and modify and change behavior. Uh, so I'm going to be focusing on <clears throat> the chapter that has to do with uh, developing token economies for both um, the psychiatric award or psychiatric wards and also the token economic. Or token program, token economy programs that were uh, developed within preschools and schools. Uh, So, but before I get started on that, I do like to talk about, you know, give a moment of gratitude. And um, what I'm grateful for today is just, uh, you know, waking up to a new, a a nice day. I mean, it's, it's winter where I'm at, so, you know, it's. Uh, it's gonna be a great day, but you know, so far it's not raining heavily. We've had some pretty heavy rain the last little while, and you know, the birds are out. I always love just watching the birds and they're hanging out and just doing their thing. They're really they're uh wonderful animals to watch and um be- befriend. I've be be I've been befriending the hummingbirds in my area and stuff, and they're so pretty. They're they're cute and just. I just love uh, watching them kind of fly, and they're so fast. It's unreal how quick they are, and I really like the the sound they make when they're flying. Is I can't really, you know, I can't emulate it or anything like that, but they just have a really pretty, distinct sound, and then when they're singing their songs and just enjoying their day, I I really enjoy that. Um, so that's what I'm grateful for, and today uh, I already had my morning cup of joe. I had a Mocha Java coffee, which is a blended coffee that uh, my dad picked up for me for Christmas. And so far, it's been pretty good. I've been trying to cut down on coffee, though. So I only have like maybe one or two cups of coffee in the in the morning, and then I just drink tea and, and water for the rest of the day. Um, just because, you know, I've, I've heard that coffee can, and the caffeine coffee can kind of mess with our sleep a little bit. I mean, coffee isn't really if I drink coffee in the afternoon, it doesn't really bother me that much, but, um, you know, I'd like to have a good restful sleep and hopefully have some nice dreams. So I figured that, well, maybe I should cut down on it. I I don't know if I could get rid of it out of my life completely as I enjoy the taste of coffee, but I can certainly, um, reduce how much coffee I have throughout the day. And, and for, for right now, I'm just enjoying a glass of water, um, you know, it's pretty refreshing. We're very lucky here where I'm at. Like, the, the water's pretty good, so. Uh, okay, so I think I'm going to start, uh can t- carry on with the topic of today's show, which is, um, so the, the chapter begins, it's, it's focused on conditioning a cure, so behavior modification in hospitals. So I'll, con- I'll carry on um, with that discussion from the book. And uh, I think, the l I'll probably wrap up Beyond the Box within the next couple of shows. Uh and then I'm gonna move on to there's another book in token economics that I wanna read, but kind of in between that I might do another children's story. Like I think I'll probably finish uh the Madeline Ingalls um quartet, time quartet series with the fifth book. Um but I'm hoping to wrap up the show in a little bit. So this is just kind of a, a discussion overview. Of the chapter on conditioning, uh, on conditioning a cure and behavior modification in the hospitals. Um. Okay. So psychologists and psychiatrists, Um. Or sorry, psych- psychologists and uh, psychiatrists. Oh, well, I guess there is a joke about maybe some of them are a little psychiatric. Anyway, so <laughs> psychologists and psychologists or psychiatrists. We're hoping to use behavior modification to cure uh, schizophrenics and those with uh, severe mental illness. Um, and the Skinneranians, I guess it, uh, the Skinneranians being the people who uh, closely followed a lot of the uh, Skinner and his behavior behaviorism and his uh, be- behavior technology. So there's a lot of people that followed his work. And they kind of call themselves as a group uh, Skinneranians. <laughs> and they were eager to use uh, the behavior technology on so called uh, psychotics. I don't use that language myself, that's just out of the book. Uh, but they wanted to use them on patients in psychiatric wards. Uh, so, because they thought that by controlling the um, patient's behavior, they could control the psychosis, and if they can, and if Psychosis could be treated as um, nothing more than psychotic behavior, then maybe they could use behavior modification uh, technology to kind of get rid of or remove a poor abhorrent or maladaptive behavior and you know help the patients become kind of quote unquote normal people. So that's where they were really eager to test their behavior modification principles on, um, patients. And, you know, it was kind of inevitable that they would do this because they started, um, testing this technology out, uh, this behavior technology out on animals first. And it was only a matter of time before they uh, reached people and, you know, prisoners and psychiatric patients children uh people with disabilities and so on they're vulnerable populations and they're also easy for people to experiment on because they're kind of a captive audience especially at that time uh and i i suspect it still happens today i wouldn't be surprised if it did um and this is not to say that there aren't well-meaning psychologists and psychiatrists that don't do this um, I'm just saying that, like, I mean, back then, a lot of this, a lot of abuse and inhumane things happened as a result of behavior modification programs. Um, And again, not everyone did this, but it certainly happened. And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if there were still these sorts of things going on in some of these places, because... um, it's just the way it is. Like if people who are um who are sick and depraved are uh often attracted to these types of professions, you know, maybe I guess the word is psychopathic or or sociopathic or they're just cold, you know, brutally cold scientists that wanna experiment on people and animals, so it does happen still. Um, but again, I, I, I also that's also the, but that's not the full truth there are st- lots and lots of people well meaning people that don't do this in the field of psychology and, and there's lots of people that have good heartfelt intentions to help people I think the reason why I talk about token economics and behaviorism is just because it's you know it's still around <laughs> it's still you know it hasn't gone away and I, I'm going to be reading um a, a an ex. Excerpt that I got from uh, Alison McDowell's blog about uh, blockchain, and there is a a section on there about the token economy, especially token economies in schools. So it it still happens, and I think that we—it's important to have serious uh, discussions about this, you know, about the use of token economies and the use of behavior modification, because, you know, like I said, the potential for abuse is most definitely there. And, you know, that's what I'm concerned with. And that's what, and that's why I'm, I'm talking about this. Um, it's not to, um, you know, go after any one person or go after anyone because, you know, we're all part of this system. This, and the, the system itself is the problem. Like it's a predatory system and it's built on uh colonialism And domination. So it's, you know, we're all part of it. So I'm trying not to, you know, go after specific people or anything like that, or put it's mostly just to help us become aware because there are lots of helpful, heartfelt people out there. And there's lots of people that I think, you know, if they're aware of it, then we can choose something else. You know, we don't have to choose token economics and behavior modification to help people we can figure something else out you know there's i'm sure there's far more healing or far better ways to heal ourselves and our communities rather than using this you know behavior technology which you know certain groups of people in society would love to use as a way to um modify our behavior and as well as uh study our consciousness and kind of try and capture who we are. And I know there's a lot in that sentence there. Um, And that's why I'm doing these uh, shows about token economics to really uh, just talk about these topics that aren't being talked about in the mainstream media, but they're really important. Um, Okay. So the start of token economies. So they're really token economies really got, uh, became widespread and popular in the 1960s. Uh, so during the 1960s, the token economy uh, was one of the most widespread behavior modifications, or behavior modification programs, and it was uh, mostly done through the mental hospitals. Uh, the first most comprehensive token economy was used in Anna State Hospital in Ilya Nolis, and the program was developed by Uh, Teodoro Alion and Nathan Azarin I hope I said those names right Um, you know they thought of mental illness in purely functional behavioral terms so the hospitals were the only places where token economics were used Um, and then eventually they did find their way into schools, um, reform schools, uh, prisons and other places with vulnerable uh, populations and next show I will be talking about uh, token economies in prisons and reform schools, uh, but this show I'm just focusing on um, their presence in uh, psychiatric wards or sorry sorry psychiatric wards, and uh, their development in preschools and um, kind of children's programs. Um, so Teodoro Allian, he was from or he is from Bolivia and he was born April um 1925 and he is a licensed psychologist in Georgia and is a professor professor emer- emeritus at Georgia State University I hope I said that and a fellow with the APA and I just say that because he you know he kind of founded this and again I'm not trying to go after anyone uh, in pacif- specifically or anything like that you know maybe his intentions were, are heartfelt. The only thing with token economies, um, especially, you know, the token economies that they wish to uh, use in modern society, uh, you know, they're going to be used as behavior modification programs to kind of have us move down a certain path collectively towards that, you know, that global hive mind and that knockoff consciousness I was talking about um and again I'm not saying he's doing this but I'm just saying that there are um other people out there that are actively looking uh to do this and that's why I, again I just think that the history of token economy of the token economy and where it came from and that's you know it's, it's really important to understand those things I feel so uh Teodoro and uh, and uh, his co- and a colleague, Jack, uh, Michael, they did a study called the psychiatric nurse as a behavior engineer, uh, which they published in the Journal of Experimental Analysis of Behavior. Uh, Allian and and Michael were training the staff at a psychiatric hospital how to take how to use a token economy uh, based program, um, and have the program. Uh, base its principles on operant conditioning uh, for patients with schizophrenia and intellectual disabilities. Um, And this led to researchers at the University of Kansas to start the Journal of Applied Behavior Analysis. So token economies are really uh, part of, a really important part of applied behavior analysis and behavior technology. Um, So Jack Michael met uh, T.O., and became his mentor, so and then both men were interested in Skinner's work. Um, you know, teo didn't warm up to behaviorism right away, um, but he did eventually see how operant operant psychology can be used to solve everyday problems. Um, the behaviorists used uh, the University of Houston's preschool as an experimental place to test behavior change, so Alion approached, or, yeah, I hope I said his name right. I'm going to, I'll just say Tio. So uh, Tio approached the the teachers first to see if there were any behavior problems in the children um, that the teachers wanted to change. And Tio wanted to test the validity of behavior uh, principles. So a teacher said that there was a girl who didn't like coloring in her notebook And she cried and had temper tantrums whenever she was asked to do this. And so Teal saw this as an opportunity to test behavioral principles to see if he could change the girl's behavior. And so he ended up giving her a candy and a cup whenever she looked at the coloring book. And after a few weeks, um, she eventually started coloring in the notebook without a temper tantrum. And... You know, when I was reading this, I thought that, you know, my first question was, uh, why didn't she want to color in the notebook in the first place? And was it such a big deal that she didn't want to color in a notebook? Um, you know, and then what happened after? You know, once Theo was finished his experiment and stuff, did she continue to enjoy coloring in the notebook? Or did she eventually, you know, become averse to coloring in the notebook again like you didn't really the book itself didn't really talk about that um so i just wondered i had those questions in my mind they weren't answered in the book though um so after this experience the two researchers wanted to see what other behavior they could um they could change uh so they next they they so they went to a summer remedial reading course where kids were learning to read and, um, they call themselves behavior engineers and not psychologists, which is pretty telling. And the behaviorists approached the school or the behaviors, they approached the, uh, the program, uh, administrators, administrators and asked the, the teachers and staff, like if there's any problem behaviors, they want to change. And the teachers said that some of the students didn't write in their notebooks and workbooks. Um, so the What the behaviorists ended up doing was they created a program where they would give points to students for writing in the, uh, in the correct answers in the notebook. Um, and eventually the students could accumulate points and exchange them for uh, material things that they wanted. Um, you know, and it was the example of the first of the, the first use of a token economy in a behavior change program. And that's kind of, um, you know, the simple way of how a token economy will work is that, you know, if you perform certain behaviors or you do certain things and you receive points and, and then you can use those points to get stuff. And they did that, not only did they do that in the schools, but they also did that Uh, in the psychiatric wards, which you'll, you'll see in a minute. Um, And, you know, when I was reading this about the students who didn't want to write in their notebooks or, or workbooks, I, you know, my questions were in my mind is, you know, how effective were the notebooks for teaching literacy? Sometimes the materials themselves, it's not the students, sometimes it's the materials themselves that aren't that great for, you know, teaching students how to do things. Um, and then i also wondered why the students just didn't want to write in their mo- notebooks like if there was a you know what the reasons were for that uh and they didn't th- and again that was never answered in the in the book and uh so just to continue on um with his experiment with the that reading the summer reading class uh you know michael argued that this A token economy, or the this kind of pre-token economy, was an extension of an allowance that the kids already get, Um, and that the point system, um, you know, while the point system did kind of change some behavior, it didn't really encourage students to read effectively. It just, I guess, it just got the students to fill in the notebook, but. Mm -hmm. It didn't actually help students improve their literacy or, you know, enjoy reading. So I'm not sure how that was helpful. Like, how helpful is it to have, yes, people perform a certain behavior out of compliance so they can get some points, um, but they're actually not learning and developing as a person. Like, they're not actually growing. They're just doing whatever, you know, the teachers or or Institutional staff or whatever wants um, so i thought I thought that was interesting that it just didn't that the point system didn't really help students learn to read effectively. it just made them uh, write in their notebook and so that they can get points and I would argue too like the whole thing about an extension of an allowance like mm. I don't know about that either. Like yes, uh, you know, if kids are help I you know, I know parents give kids can give kids a little bit of money um for them to purchase, you know, buy whatever they want and sometimes, you know, kids will receive an allowance for helping out around the house and so on. Uh but that's not really a behavior modification I don't know. It's not, I don't feel like it's the same thing as these behavior modification programs. Usually it's, you know, just so that kids can have a little bit of spending money so that they can go get a toy or they can save it for something that they want. And then sometimes, you know, as kids get older, they get paper routes or they, you know, go mow lawns for the neighbor or something like that. But these are like self-motivational things and then parents you know usually parents just want to support and help out their kids so yeah they'll give them a little bit of money like it comes from a place of love whereas these points programs and token economies is not really from a place I don't know it's more about you know wanting to engineer uh, people's behavior and and have them do things that the institutions want them to do and it's going to be the same for us you know with these token economies, the, it'll be conditioned, you know, we'll, we'll receive points, you know, based on the behavior and how we can demonstrate that we're a good uh, citizen, uh, because there is, like with the, like in Canada, they're rolling out the UBI, universal basic income, uh, but that's not going to be free money. Like, there's going to be conditions attached to it, and I bet dollars to donuts that they will, with the UBI, try and roll out some sort of a token economy of some kind. I don't know what it's going to look like, but it'd be, you know, some points-based system where, you know, you volunteer for certain hours or you, you know, give blood or whatever, or you just demonstrate that you're, quote-unquote, a good citizen, whatever that means, and then you receive points, Uh, so you, you do things that the system wants you to do. So you're kind of part of this hive mind. Um, and then what happens if you don't want to do them? You know, I guess you don't get points or do you get your points taken away? Or are you going to be expected to sit at home until you comply? I'm not sure. So like, I know this sounds crazy, but I have been talking about you know, over my the course of this uh, podcast that there is these behavior technologies coming online. um, And the token economy is one of them. And I'll keep talking about this throughout the show. And this isn't the only show where I'm going to be talking about token economies. So if you're a little lost or confused, just, just bear with me, because I just want to talk about some of the history of token economies and where they came from. And then, you know, as we move through the history to present time, I'll talk about in other shows, like, you know, the token economies, like, both now and the ones that they want, you know, these technocrats and stuff want to roll out in the future, um, or the system itself wants to roll out in the future, and and why. Like, this is all part of, you know, token economies and other behavior technologies is all part of this, um this drive to create like a counterfeit global consciousness and this drive to create this world and en- embryo. Um, and if you're not familiar with that, or you're thinking kind of crazy, like just, um, you know, you can check out all of her L risers book, the world sensorium. And that's pretty much what that book is talking about is this craving, creation of a world, superorganism, And, you know, you, you need to have be- people behaving in a certain way uh, to, you know, create this organism where you can have um, oh, homeostasis, where, you know, everything's kind of, there's nothing really, everything's in a state of equilibrium, <clears throat> like there's, nothing's really fluctuating or changing. And, and again, I'll go more into that in detail, because I know that's a lot, but, um, you know, the tokenic economy programs are going to kind of be part of that. Uh, that's why I feel it's important to talk about it. Okay. So, I, so I can carry on with the book. I don't have too much, uh, longer or too many more slides to talk about. Cause it wasn't as long of a chapter as some of the others. Okay. Um, so leading up to the token economy in Anna in the Anna state hospital, um, Allion, he did, or sorry, Tio did an internship at the Weyburn Hospital in Saskatchewan. I think it's the Weyburn Hospital in Saskatchewan. I could be wrong, but if it is the Weyburn Hospital in Saskatchewan, that's really interesting because uh, another notable uh, figure in, you know, psychiatric research, Humphrey Osmond, uh, he went, he worked at the Weyburn Hospital And he did a lot of research into psychedelics. Actually, he was the one that coined the term uh, psychedelic. And, you know, psychedelics and LSD, again, it's part of that trying to understand human consciousness and this drive to want to control global consciousness. Uh, So that was really important research that they were doing that they started at the time, and they've probably been doing it ever since. So... Humphrey, Humphrey Osmond is another figure I'll explore in another show, but that's really important. And a lot of, you know, abuse and misuse of people and patients happened at the Weyburn Hospital. And just like it happened in many other psychiatric hospitals at the time. Uh, And I think that's important to keep in mind as well. Um, Okay, so while Teal was there, he was given access to patients to try out his operant conditioning, I noticed the nurses were the ones who worked closely with the patients. And this is where he kind of got the idea that psychiatric nurses were like behavior uh, engineers. And so he asked them uh, what behavior they wanted to change. And uh, he wanted to turn the psychiatric nurses into the behavior uh, engineers. Uh, one key takeaway for T.O. was learning that the psychiatric patients uh, respond to reinforcers like so-called normal people, so like positive and negative uh, reinforcement. And positive and negative reinforcement is a key part of, um, you know, behavior modification. Um, And then he continued to do his PhD at uh, Weyburn, and that's when he met Nathan Azrin, and the two created the Anastate, Uh, token economy in 1961 uh, and they designed a complete ward uh, environment based on operant conditioning Um, so they tested their token economy on 45 uh, female patients who were transferred to the operant floor in in the anastate token economy Um, they wanted patients that no one else wanted that's really sad and then the the ladies were Disheveled, unkempt, uh some unintelligible or mute. Um, you know, they you know, I, I was reading this part of the book, I felt really sad for uh the patients that went through this because, you know, no one they received they rarely received visits from family and friends, so they didn't have anyone to check it, check in uh check in on them. They came from rural environments, um, and they spent about sixteen sixteen years in the ward. Uh, once transferred patients were expected to have off-ward uh, jobs and participated in in-ward duties to in order to receive tokens uh, in operant terms the jobs were responses the jobs were deemed to be what's useful in the environment uh, the patients also received tokens for self-care practices so they um, because they wanted to reinforce uh, functional behavior in patients and they wanted to remove dysfunctional behavior uh, that made participating in token economy uh, difficult so again it was it was mostly about uh, behavior modification so what are, could patients receive in exchange for their tokens privacy so they didn't have any privacy um, but they can have their own room or their own cabinet and that's really sad like they uh, they can leave the ward, you know, go for walks or trips to town. So I guess if they didn't comply, they were just stuck there. Uh, social interaction with staff or chaplains. That's really sad. So in order to have that social interaction, they had to accumulate tokens. They told social interaction is actually really healthy for us when we, when we're cut off from social interaction, like, you know, that doesn't. That can, that's one of the reasons why we become sick. Um, they can also... So another thing that they got in exchange for tokens is do- devotional opportunities, uh, recreation opportunities, like watching movies. And they can purchase commissary items. So is that the exchange that they get to pray and go watch movies? in exchange for good behavior? Like, what happens if they didn't want to participate in this or they didn't demonstrate, you know, quote-unquote good behavior? Did they Were they just expected to sit in a corner? I don't know. Like, this is really sad. And again, it's... Uh, I'm not saying that, you know, the psychologists and psych- psychiatrists and nurses involved with this program are being abusive. What I'm saying is that conditions like these can enable abusive situations to happen. Um, And that's why I'm kind of talking about this now, because, you know, that just seems sad. Like how are you, how is this supposed to heal a person uh, depriving them of social interaction unless they comply and accumulate tokens? I don't know. So the researchers thought they could measure the degree of useful employable behavior Um, They didn't use hospital discharge as a criterion measurement in the token economy because the patients didn't have anywhere to go. That's really sad. So, you know, they chose, again, they chose patients that no one else really wanted. Um, And the researchers assessed the useful and functional behaviors with their experiments. And so the the effect that the uh, Anna State, uh token economy had was a number of interested researchers observed the antistate's token economy and set up their own token economies at their institutions. Uh, examples were nursing homes, preschools, shelter, workshops, and prisons. Um, classrooms also proved to be a fertile ground for experimenting with token economies. Uh, one researcher used token economies with disabled kids. Uh, in 1969, there were a number of token economies throughout the US, United States, you know, such as uh, veteran hospitals. There was 27 token economies in different hospitals, and even Australia and the UK uh, set up their own token economies. And I think there is on I'll post it. Actually, it's really, um, it was an interesting move or an interesting clip from news a news piece from I think it was maybe back in the seventies or so uh, from a I think the hospital was in Wales of an example of a token economy. So I'll I'll post that in the show's description just so you can see kind of see a token economy in in action. Um, And then, you know, with eventually there was a decline in token economies in mental hospitals uh, because practitioners thought the token, um, like, okay, so while practitioners thought that the token economy uh, represented a valid valid way to treat serious mental illness among patients, um, it wasn't really taken up. By other clinical practitioners, um, and so it started to decline in the eighties and nineties. Um, and some some of the reasons they declined was as it was difficult to set up. Uh, staff needed to be trained um, in token in how to administer t- token economies, and this proved to be a challenge. Um, and people thought of token economies as behavior modification programs which they were so i don't know why the author of the book would say this because they are behavior modification programs uh people thought they were too mechanistic um they were punitive and in- inhumane um it people thought token economies undermined the patient clinic and clinician relationship they weren't much fun um uh, and token economies cost extra money that the hospitals were reluctant to pay. Um, and then gradually, there was a focus on community treatment of serious illness and short hospital stays, which made implementing token economies difficult as well. Um, there was, I mean, the author of the book uh, did say that there were some successes in the Anna State, um token economy and some of them were that because the hospital was small or the the ward that they were working in was small they were able to uh, have innovative experiments <laughs> uh each department had a high degree of autonomy so i guess the researchers could do what they needed to do um and researchers could make quick changes without approval from uh institutional committees, um, they received approval from the superintendent for their program and they had a small number of staff and patients to work with, um, which maximized cooperation and commitment to the program and I think that is something that um, will be a challenge for like a, a wider societal token economy is to have <clears throat> Max, maximum cooperation with people. But that's where I think and uh Alison McDonald and Jason Jason Bosch have both talked about this on some of their uh during some of their presentations that um you know one way that they could roll out token economies on a smaller scale is through community currencies. Um and they can use community currencies to kind of network within each other to then feed a larger currency so you could have a local local token economy but then it's connected to a bigger token economy and maybe that's how they would get maximum cooperation uh, among people and um to participate in this token economy and this behavior modification uh program that they want to implement kind of societal society-wide um and before I finish, I just want to also read an excerpt. It's it was on Allison's uh, blog about uh, blockchain, and I just want to talk about uh, token economies in the classroom for modern day. Because even though even if token economies de- have the, you know declined back then, it's like they're kind of coming around, coming back around now. Uh, and one of the places that token economies want to establish themselves is in uh, classrooms. So I just wanted to read this because it hasn't really gone away. It's just changed. Um, so it's a, it's a paper on practical recommendations, excuse me, and interventions for a token economy system. Uh, so it's token economy systems in the classroom, uh, recommendations for teachers so only use a token economy system when necessary um, and do not, and not when desirable behavior may be maintained with the use of less systematic and controlling techniques like praise modeling, occasional use of mild punishment such as taking away privileges. Like I'll, I'll read a couple of these and maybe what I'll do then is like post the rest of it because it's a few pages long. So otherwise, if I read all of them, it will be You'll be here for quite a while, but I'll read the first couple and then I'll post it in the description box uh, along with the the post from Allison's blog on blockchain. Cause that's also something that's kind of part of the token economy and um, you know this behavior, you know the Web3 technologies coming out, uh, and then you can have a a read through and kind of explore the subject matter yourself, um, and then the second point about the behavior or token economy or recommendation for token economies is uh, some behavior problems may be a product of the setting. So sometimes making alterations to the classroom, you know, room organization routine can eliminate problems and uh, specific changes that focus on the child or children are not necessary. And then the third one, their third recommendation A token economy may not always be needed for behavior modification. Other reinforcers such as praise, feedback, access to activities, and privileges should be attempted and provide or proved ineffective before moving to a token economy program. Maybe I'll just read one more. Um, Teachers designing and administering token economy programs should be trained in behavior modification procedures, record keeping, and analysis, Uh, they also need to read and review any appropriate literature. And that's another thing that's, that will kind of go hand in hand with token economies is, you know, recording the data from uh, the token economy program for each student. Um, There's a few videos that I saw on the the blog from uh, Allison's website that I had a data dashboard of students and um, kind of how how many points they've accumulated and what their behaviors were. And I'll post that so you can kind of get an idea of what I'm talking about and why something like that could be problematic. Uh, you know, especially if you're a parent or teacher, you know, you may have heard of token economies, but you're not sure what they are. Uh, I'll definitely, I hope you know, I'll post those resources so that you can learn more. Um, but I think I'm going to stop the uh, show here because I, you know, talked quite a bit about uh, the token economies, you know, starting up in uh, the psychiatric wars, especially um, the state Hospital. And next week, I'm going to talk about how token economies were used in prisons and and the controversy around that because there were, there was a lot of pushback with those. And, um, Yeah, and then after that, I think maybe just a couple more shows on uh, the Beyond the Box. I'll actually, and I will also post a link to the book itself, because like I said, there's in other shows there's quite a bit of material that I wasn't able to cover just for the sake of uh, longevity. So if you're interested in the book yourself, I will post some links so you can, uh, you know, uh, get yourself a copy or find uh, a copy of the book online. There might be one on Archive org or something. Sometimes they have uh, these books on there for free or for free. So with that being said, I hope everyone has a blessed week and weekend and uh, thank you for tuning in. And if you liked what you heard, please consider subscribing and uh, sharing this with others. And thank you so much and have a nice day. Bye-bye.